Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Good evening. This is the Arsenal Fan Show with myself, Matt Beadle, and the guy from Gunnerstown, Charlie East. <laughs> it's normally the guys, but it's just you and me today, mate. Hi, mate. Lone Ranger. Yeah. Bank holiday Monday. The other guys got other arrangements. They have, yeah. I'm still here. In the sun. And oh. here we are in a cooped up studio with the aircon on. But good, mate. Don't get too cosy, all right? It's just the two of us. So, okay, you no. know. There are boundaries. Oh, I've got the table. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, it's it's good that you're in you're in fine fettle. You're in good mood because despite the three one defeat at the weekend, the first defeat of the season, you're okay. You're I'm, in good spirits. I'm in good spirits. I think Arsenal fans over the last couple of weeks have been very excited, very happy, positive about things that are going on in the club. And uh after Saturday it doesn't change for me. I thought okay, I, I went up there. So I went up there and left at about half eight in the morning. Got up there, you had that bit of positivity. We were in the car on the way up there thinking, oh, we'll get a result today. Would it be good if we go and nick something? Mm. But deep down, you know, really, you're playing Liverpool. They've won 42 games, unbeaten 42 games. Who drove up there? Uh, my mate Alex. Short straw. Yeah, short straw. Do you take it in turns or what's the crack with that? No, we, we, well, I'll go with all different people. I'm not go with my dad right. and a couple of friends, but my dad and I, Andrew, we go with the drive this time. So you but, lot on the tins in the car and that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he didn't have a drink all day, but we brought his ticket for him. Oh, oh okay. That's right, fair, so a compromise. Yeah, good 30 quid spent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but no, we're going up there and we think to ourselves, like, closer to the game, you've got the excitement game, oh, we'll get a result up here. But deep down, we, we, we've got to know our level. We're going for top four as our target. That is what we want this season. And I know people might laugh, you know, we'll get over top four, but that is the way the club are at the moment. That is our target. And you're not going to get top four. You are going to get top four if you can win games at Anfield. But losing games at Anfield are not going to cost you the top four place. That's, that's it's a bit of a free, it's a free game for you. Yeah, 42 games now unbeaten at Anfield. I mean, it's quite the record. They are a very good side. Of course, you were there live and we, you were just saying off air about their high press and their attacking prowess when you see it live it's, it's just like instinct Lich is one of the defenders gets that first touch of the ball it's like triggers they just go one goes and then the next one they'll just they like hunting packs they really do they just, they, they just press so much they squeeze up and the space is, and then sometimes you just get to a point you've got to kick it out like just, just, just to stop them and then I mean I think Arsenal I think Emery with the, with the starting lineup, it was a bold starting lineup. Um, I see people straight away when the line-up come out, people moaning, which I didn't really get. About about who and what? Lacazette not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think Emery's in a difficult situation here now, and Arsenal, really, in my opinion, are in a difficult situation because you've got two world-class strikers, yep. you'd say. Aubameyang, certainly. Lacazette, yeah, a world-class striker. So they need to be playing, and because of the system that you play, it's going to be hard. difficult to integrate them. Well, games like Liverpool... People say, well, we're not playing free up front, blah, blah. But years gone by, we've gone up to Anfield and we've been walloped. I mean, not just been absolutely walloped. Well, in the past few three times. seasons now, that's 12-2 on aggregate. Yeah, so we've been really... and But this result, we what we've done, we, we played obviously the four at the back with the three midfielders in the front. It's like Sabayas had like a little roll in between the two up front. And we tried playing on the counter. And for 40 minutes of that, it worked. 
I mean, I, Leno didn't really make many saves. We didn't have loads of chances, and they didn't have loads of chances. But we had two big chances, and you've got to take them. And if you don't, with a team like quali- against Liverpool's quality, you are going to get punished. And that's what, in the end, I think happened. Yeah, you are. We are going to be speaking about certain individuals as the show goes on. David Luiz, I mentioned at the top of the show, Nicola Pepe, we're going to get on to. Nacho yeah. Monreal, who you mentioned, Matteo Guendouzi, we're going to speak about. Yeah. But you just mentioned Danny Ceballos there, a player that came in and has been very impressive <clears throat> in his opening couple of games. I had a text from an Arsenal mate after the clash on Saturday and he just said that was a rude awakening for Ceballos. Yeah, it was. It was a rude awakening for Ceballos, but we need to understand of he's 22 years old, I think 21, 22, whatever it is. It's, it's a big game. I know he got, he got sort of found wanting, but it, it's a tough game for him to play. He's not going to play the level he does every game. Mm. He's not. Especially not three games into his Premier League career. I mean, it, it was it was a little bit of a... And I think ever since he put that ball across the box and Mane sort of nicked it, he just didn't really recover from that. And he had a nice few little touches. I was really impressed Joe Willock again on Saturday. Mm. Joe Willock played really well, stood out, sort of... Because when Tobias went off as well, he sort of pushed forward a bit more and I thought he looked really good Willock again. Mm. So, and I, I... Fair play generally of trusting him because he's, he's still giving him a go. He started every game for us now. Yeah. What you don't want, I suppose, in terms of just quickly going back to Ceballos is that was always the criticism levelled at Mesut Ozil, wasn't it, in these types of games? Yeah. And I know, listen, it's early doors. And when you look at the Danny Ceballos terms... is not on 350 grand a week four sure. years into his Arsenal career. Mm. So that's different. And as much as Ceballos wasn't that great as in his... But he still worked. still pressed. still worked. He was working, running his cobblers off all across the pitch. You could see it. Maybe saying Ozil doesn't give you is the work rate, but it might give you a bit of quality. But you, Ozil, I like Mesut Ozil. <clears throat> I do think it's probably now the beginning of the end for him, though. Mm. I think he could go this January. Do you really? Yeah, I think he could. The mere fact he's not even been in any of the squad yet, I know he's training, he's got the security issues and the personal, I think Arsenal would like to get him off the books. I think if you maintain the form that you've shown at the start of the season and you're there or thereabouts come January, it shows that you actually can do it without Mesut Ozil, if he's not back yeah. in the squad by that time, of course. But the other side of it is, maybe this is the year that we've got the tools for Mesut Ozil to flourish. Mm. Pepe, Bamiyang, Lacazette, Sabias next to him, sort of little one-two moving around. Maybe this could be the year where he really, if he does play, he stands out. It could be the team that we finally need around him. Because mm. when he was at Real Madrid, he was excellent, wasn't he? He had the players in front of him running, and then we we signed him and had Olivier Giroud who really was a back-to-goal centre-forward, no through-ball sort of stuff. So maybe this is the Arsenal team that could be... I know we're going to go on to talk about Pepe, Pepe in a minute, but with his pace, wow, that is blistering on Saturday. Well, why not talk about him now, Charlie? Because, yeah, he was good, wasn't he? he you was just good. You just thought, hang on a second, this is the type of player... And you can tell when a, a player is going to light up the Premier League because he does things that you haven't seen in a while or ever before. Huh. And when you look at the stats and the fact that he took on Virgil van, van Dijk, Dijk. First one, 50 games. First one, in, yeah, 50 wow. games. And the last one was, I mean, last one was Mikel Marino, the Newcastle lad yeah. who came in from Borussia Dortmund, <laughs> now at Real Sociedad. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes oh, the no. stats are skewed. But with Virgil van Dijk, that's a real stat because this is a player who doesn't get beaten. I so think, we do take note of that. I think they, they made a and you did notice it when he was there and on the telly, but Matchaday obviously picked up on it, saying about Van Dijk, the first couple, Pepe went past him. The next time Pepe got the ball, Van Dijk didn't try and beat him on a foot race. He just sort of stood off, gave him the time and just showed him back. So that's the respect Van Dijk gave him. And I think that's... Unfortunately, I thought Matt played really well for him on Saturday. Mm. I think he's a bit underrated for Liverpool. But everyone talks about how good Van Dijk is. I thought he was excellent, Matt, because... 
Aubameyang didn't really get much joy off of him. Mm. He played really well. Maybe it might have been hard where they had just they were so isolated up top to put the two strikers. But I just think that with Pepe, his feet, the quickness of him. That one where I think he nicked off Jordan Henderson and Robertson comes, he does his two touch and then in the end put him through. He done that two touch at left to the right and just went. And then hopefully a little bit more composure. That's one nil. Well, he's able to mix it up as well. I think that was something that struck me was that yes, he, he had a shot ball. as well. We don't yes. have people that shoot exactly, and that one, was really actually. surprising because he he suddenly cut in and unleashed that left footer that was going going so close to top bins on the left hand side. Just went wide. about that. Were you on, on the shot? Sky, you can see me. I think it's going no. in. I've got my arms in the air. Do you know like what? That. I was watching and, and I was, was trying really to on... figure out who I could see. The only person who I did see, by the way, and whether she'll be listening to this or not, I don't know. And we won't dwell on this one. It's one of those things I hate about modern football was when Salah scored his his <sighs> second goal. Everyone with cameras up. Yes. I, I hate they, it. And I can't... Look, listen, I hate it. I know that people do it anyway now. People have their cameras out and they don't live in the moment. That's a wider issue about society. At football, it's a joke, but people do it. What I can't understand is the fact that you are filming an opposition yeah, player I don't get it. bear down on your goal. What well, are you doing? Well, just, up, just getting off subject, that was right in front of me. There was I spoke to the people there. There Did was you? actually there was actually there was four Koreans in front of me. There was a, a young kid, mm-hmm. a female, and two guys. Two of the guys actually had Gerard shirts on the back, and they had a white T-shirt over it. But you could still see eight Gerard on the back. They said they paid four hundred fifty quid outside. Wow! And they were in the Arsenal end. Don't know obviously, but they paid four fifty outside. And these two people, the the, the mum and the kid filmed the whole game on their phone. Like the whole 90 minutes live video on their Facebook. And I've gone to somewhere else. I said, why are you doing that? It was it was, it was giving people the ump. Yeah, yeah. Fan, it was giving people the ump. There's, there's a few people trying to dig them out and then I was sort of saying, I dropped them out. They're like, I don't know what they've done. Do you know what I mean? And um, they said that they got a website that this is going back to and they get thousands of people watching their live stream because it's in the ground. What, did they get money? I don't know. I, don't, I surely I don't that's know. illegal because of Premier League exactly. rights. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, but it was... And, and secondly, I mean, listen, the fact that it's being streamed back to a site, yes, of course, but this is being streamed around the world, beamed around the world yeah. on television. Tell you, yeah. I would imagine if you're that into the Premier League watch and you live there. abroad, you watch, you've got the subscriptions I I, anyway. I, I know, I don't, I don't understand it, but... I just, yeah, I saw that and I know that this is, and we are going slightly off topic, but this is something that is is becoming really wrong. Here's another one for you. I'm going to ask you a question because we had a little disagreement in the ground with someone else. Oxlade Chamberlain warming up right in front of the Arsenal fans. Half of them are booing him, half of them are clapping him. Right. You're not an Arsenal fan, but Mm. what's your thoughts on... For me personally, I wouldn't clap on the players left Arsenal. I think he wanted to leave Arsenal. Okay, he'd been quite, he'd gone on to better things and won the Champions League, and but he left Arsenal because he didn't want to play right midfield. But I, w- I wouldn't ever abuse him. I wouldn't clap him. And I thought we had a little bit of a. I think ultimately, yeah, you're a bit nonplussed with yeah. it. This is a player who, who was There's brought into the singing Premier League. His name. I couldn't believe it. No, that's that's a bit too far, I yeah. suppose you'd say. But then you go into the issue of when players don't celebrate when they score against their former club. Now, I understand that if you do it potentially once, when you are a great, like if Thierry Henry, for example, had yeah. come back to Arsenal and scored against Arsenal and he, and he didn't celebrate, yeah, get you that. get that. However, to continually do it, and if you've played for a club on loan or you've had one season at a club and you, and you don't celebrate scoring for your club and people no. go, 
oh, he's showing respect to his old no, fans. No, celebrate. What about the respect to your new fans? Exactly. The club that agree. are paying your wages and these fans that are coming and singing your name week in, week out. So with Oxley chamberlain I do think that, listen, Arsenal brought him into the Premier League. He, lo- he owes Arsene Wenger a, a debt of gratitude for that. He had some good season at Ars- seasons at Arsenal. Did his, did his service and, like you said, ultimately moved on. I don't mm. think there's anything wrong with that. There was no ill feeling in that move. No. So, you know, if you want to clap him, fine. Singing his name, singing no. His name, and, like, and booing him, no. No, just wrong. nothing. Just, yeah, I, I, I'd say that it sort of was a bit sort of, um, took my attention at the time. I was a bit sort of, anyway. But back to Pepe. <laughs> I think, yeah, back, pretty bad to Pepe. I think early signs on Saturday excites me. His pace, it's just his raw pace. Anyone who's got pace like that is going to cause problems. And when he's doing that against Liverpool, supposedly the best defence in the Premier League. Mm. They say Robertson, because he was on the right-hand side, so he's up against Robertson and Van Dijk, really. Didn't come over to the other side at all. If he can do that with them too, get his shooting boots in. Maybe try and get one on Sunday. Announce himself to the Premier League and the Arsenal fans. Mm. First start of the Emirates, Sunday. Hopefully. I wonder whether we'll talk about that later <laughs> in the show, just to finish on Pepe. That could uh, certainly... Set him up to have a Absolutely. good season. Absolutely, should have scored. Still, he should've was scored. strong goal. He, he should have scored. He he didn't do what Salah did with his finish. Open open his I body up. And a couple of times I noticed he didn't have a shot of his right foot once. He cut. So he kept wanting to put on his left foot. Mm. So I hope he doesn't get a bit too predictable that people start realising show him onto his right, show him onto his right, and then he's always going to catch his left. Well, hopefully he's got the Iron Robin about him and that he can drop that shoulder and pull it off anyway. Even though you know exactly what he's going to do. Now, just a quick reminder to those who do take their phones into football stadiums and they do record things whilst watching the game, put it away. Watch the game. Live for the moment. <laughs> right, enough of that for now. We are going to be looking at David Luiz, Matteo Guendouzi, after this on the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Love Sport. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with Charlie East from Gunnerstown. If you want to join the debate, of course, and discuss whether people should film football matches while they're at the game and actually watch the game through their phone a bizarre thing to do however some do it if you want to join that discussion if you've ever told anybody to put their phone away let us know love sport 0208 70 20 558 you can whatsapp us on that number as well or get us on the socials at love sport radio now charlie you want to discuss someone that you feel like you're going to get a bit of stick for yeah. discussing i sent out a tweet yesterday afternoon about a certain player um i was probably a little bit harsh on them because I called them pants oh that's quite harsh I know and, and I didn't mean it as that because he, he doesn't deserve that sort of criticism but the abuse I got back <laughs> wow <laughs> was even worse I never knew he was so popular okay um, the man in question Matteo Gunduzi. right I know he's a kid um, and I know he's new to the Premier League and he's young and he and he has done really well but I think he slows us down too much. I don't know really what he offers. He doesn't make any assists. He's not your combative defensive midfielder that makes big thundering tackles and leads all that. Doesn't score goals, doesn't have shots. Okay, a lot of sideward passes. Keeps the ball well. But I, I've probably been a bit harsh on him because he's so young. But I don't want to see him playing as much as he is. And mm. Are you surprised by how much he has played? Yeah, I am. I've, Lucas Torreira should be starting on Saturday over him. And I know Xhaka gets absolutely crucified by Arsenal fans. But we're a different team when he doesn't play defensively. 
And with him and Gunduzi together, it just does not work. It, it just doesn't. They're too... Well, not similar, but what Jacket has got in the locker, which Gunduzi hasn't, is that Jacket does do a good delivery. So he, he can find a Bamiang making a run. He does that big switch if, mm. if we're in a bit of space. He does offer you that. Okay, Jacket may do that one mistake in a game that everyone latches on to. Sometimes you get punished, sometimes you don't. But he's more of a leader in there. And Gunduzi, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not writing Gunduzi. Gunduzi's twenty years old, whatever he is, nineteen twenty. He's a young kid, but don't put him in there where he's going to get found out and ruined every week. Mm. Don't put him in there too much. Do you know what I mean? Put him out a bit. Give him a breather. Let him come on. If you, I, I, maybe I'm a bit harsh on him, but no one give me. After I got all that stick, I said, "Well, tell me what does he actually do." So what was the stick you got? Just that you're wrong and... What game was I watching? Um, I'm an idiot. I've got, a lot, <laughs> I've got, I've got a lot, lots of gifts of SpongeBob SquarePants reading books and talking out of rubbish and things like that. i got... I must have got about 50 messages back absolutely coating me. Right. Um, but here's what it is. Uh, what I see at the game. And... While I was, he can't hit a ball either, which really annoyed me. Three or four times the ball comes up, he doesn't attack the ball and head it out. He lets it hit his head. He let, he, maybe because of his hair, I don't know, but it hits his head and goes nowhere. And a couple of times I was like, get rid of it. Like, he was under a bit of pressure. So my take on this particular topic, and you mentioned Granit Xhaka there as well. My argument with Granit Xhaka since he's joined Arsenal, and I guess... From what you're saying with regards to Guendouzi, you could say this as well, is that they are not title-winning midfielders. No. They're not They're not players that you think they could spur us on to win a trophy, win a title. No, definitely not. And the only thing I think Xhaka has in his favour out of the two, he's more experienced and he is a leader in that team. He is his captain at the moment. And there's no one else really that you'd have him over, a captain over him. You wouldn't. What's the crack with the captaincy, by the way, while you've mentioned that? Is that still up for grabs? I know that he's generally the captain, but it's still not been named by no, Unai Emery. No, it's not been named officially. I find this baffling. And I this, do. This goes back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's dealings with Manchester United's penalty takers yeah. at the moment. Because what, you, what you're doing is creating a rod for yourself where yeah. people have something they can throw at you. Yeah. And it's something that you don't need as an extra hassle to be thrown at you. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just needed to say, Marcus Rashford is our penalty taker, yep. job done. Unai Emery just needs a captain. Maybe it's not a big deal. And there are suggestions that... But there is to fans, though. Exactly, exactly, to fans there is. there is. In the dressing room, people say, oh, captains aren't so much of a big deal. And Gareth Southgate has practised the art of, of having a number of different captains. It does seem like Harry Kane is going to be the go-to. You need one announced. And Granit Xhaka, whilst he's got the armband, is it that he's having to prove his worth with the armband? Um... I've heard various people that he he's desperate to have the armband, Jack. He wants it. And you go around that dressing room and there's players in there. I don't know who else. I've seen people say, oh, Rob Holding. And... That's fantasy land. Rob Holding's probably played 20 Premier League games in his career. He can't be captain of our football club. Do you know what I mean? He can't. I know as much as it's nice, it, it, but you need to be realistic. You need a player in there who's experienced, who's got... We'd, 99% of people don't know what people are like on the training ground. Don't know what they're like in the dressing room. They don't know the aura they are around the people. Jack always comes out. If he makes a mistake, he always comes out and holds his hands up. He always says the right things in the press. I think he's quite a good... Mm-hmm. And I think well, that's, that's a part of being a captain. It's not just about picking your best player or someone you like. It's about 
football fans don't know who the best leader is. And it does stand up to be counted for. Xhaka gets a lot of stick, and sometimes it is very fair. I get that. I'm not sticking up for Grant Xhaka. He would not start for Manchester United, probably. He probably would at the moment. But probably I mean, would at the moment, yeah. I mean, I mean, he wouldn't start for Man City. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't start for Tottenham. He wouldn't start for Liverpool. He wouldn't. But, at the moment, the situation we're in, he's probably the best we've got in that position. Unfortunately, like or not, he is. So, with regards to that position then in the midfield, I know that starting lineups chop and change depending on who you're playing but what would be your perfect Torreira and Jacker. so just Torreira yeah. and Jacker, yeah okay. I think you've got a bit of both I think you've got the energy of Torreira Torreira is our best midfielder and and so again, he's not been fit he played the Copa America in the summer got back late late fitness hasn't really played no pre-season he come on against uh, Burnley I think yeah he come on against Burnley that's it so from someone to suddenly say just start with Liverpool no, you've got to know your players. Same again. I know the football fans are very, come on, well, do you know what I mean, but he's not fit. So don't play him against Liverpool, against a team that's going to work you and pressure non-stop. Bring him on as he did. When he brought him on at the end, he gives a bit more of energy. Unfortunately, we're freeing him down. Hmm. But he gave us that bit of energy in the middle with half hour to go, 20 minutes to go. So he played it well. Hopefully, he's fit enough for Sunday. That's what I'd like to see him be there. It could well be that Emery, that was the plan yeah, all along. Him, he's just gradually integrating. Because, of course, that was almost his coming-of-age game for exactly. Arsenal last season, so wasn't it? With that exactly with that goal, against yeah. Spurs. Just to finish on Gwendouzi, I'm just saying, Charlie, I'm just saying, yeah. but on the stats site, whoscored.com, yeah. Matteo Gwendouzi is the second-highest-rated player for Arsenal. Just saying, mate. Yeah, but what, what are the stats based on? Please. <laughs> mate, it's what, what are they based on? Mate, it's one of those ones. Like, the rating Granit is something like 7.29. I don't know. Granit Xhaka had the most completed pass in the Premier League last year. Right. What does that say? Yeah. Mate, I'm with you. I was just, you know, poking, <laughs> poking the bear. Uh, speaking of Guendouzi and his hair twin, David Luiz. Now, a few headlines this weekend. Yeah. Liability, Luiz. I would imagine a few Chelsea fans have, we'll looked, at, have that, looked at yeah. that game and gone, ah, there you go. See, he is a good player, but... That's what you get from time to time. I think. I think. Let's get it right. I knew that when we signed him. Yeah. You knew that when we signed him. Mm-hmm. The whole country knew that when we signed him. You've got David Luiz, Jekyll and Hyde. You've got the fantastic David Luiz. You've got the David Luiz that can maybe have an absolute rick. The pen. But apart from the penalty, he done all right. I don't know what he was. I don't know what he was going on with the penalty. But being there, I didn't have a clue what actually went on. I didn't see it, but obviously you see it, it's a blatant penalty. I don't know, he just got caught the wrong side of Salah. Especially with VAR now, you can't do exactly. that. And I know he got a lot of stick for the Salah thing, mm. but if he's not already on the yellow card, that don't happen. He goes and he takes Salah out. Or he, sta- he was too tight, or he stands off. Now you know what Salah's going to do. Yeah, but I think, yeah, you're right, but I think he got to the point where he was going to clatter him, and then he's realised, crap, I'm on a yellow card here, yeah? <laughs> I better stop. And he stops, and he stops dead. And the seller flicks it around him. And he sort of lets him spin him. So I think if he's not on a yellow by then, I think he puts him straight into that stand. All the Liverpool fans takes the yellow card, and we defend it. Mm. Um, but same again, like, that first half, we, 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 played, we, we, we tried playing out from the back a lot, which frustrates I've, some. I've got an issue with this. And I have to say, and listen, we're seeing more and more of it. Of well, course, this new Premier League, this rule has changed. Rules, it has changed. It's made things. it worse. There was one particular shot, and I actually grabbed this, and we we put this out on Twitter, and it was the image of Socrates right by Burnt Leno on the six-yard box. Which is, listen, when you've been watching football for as long as we have done, and we, we're used to that rule, 
it's so alien to see a player in Stand before he's take just seeing him right next to him. And listen, I know, and I noticed this last season with 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 Arsenal. We know that's the way they play, but the amount of horizontal passes Bernd Leno and Petr Cech did for a period last season. Well, Petr Cech can't Arsenal do them. That's that's one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that in the first game of the yeah. season, of course, where he nearly put it into his own net, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was unfair because this was a you know a thirty-something-year-old goalkeeper who was having to learn a whole new skill. Of course, it wasn't fair for him. However. There is an element, a real element of danger with this. And we know there's an element of danger, but it's not going to be long before Arsenal get caught out. You can just see it happen. It yeah. very nearly happened. There was a bit, an inch-perfect pass that had it been just slightly off, Liverpool would have been in. Yeah, and I think the one team you don't want to do it against is Liverpool. Mm. Because of the way they are, how aggressive they are on the on the press. Instantly pressing. You saw yeah. that in the game at Anfield last season. As soon as Leno passed it out, you saw Mane, you saw Robertson on yeah. the, on and the I front. Think, I think that's where you look at the David Louis. Go back to David Louis situation. Last week, we'd done that against Burnley. And he got the ball. Burnley pressed. Tipped up top. Danny Ceballos. Eight of space. Mm. And we're on the attack. It worked. Didn't get the same time on Saturday. For obvious reasons. Liverpool are a better side. They've probably said, let's lure David Lewis into it, drop off a bit. He can't do that little chip in. So they've probably worked on, they knew that we was going to do that. So we do need to mix it up a bit. Has we... Socrates got that in his locker? <sighs> that worries me. That's the problem. And Bellerin. And uh, Maitland-Niles does. Yeah. Maitland-Niles, he's not very... He's all right. Montreal, which we will talk about later on as well, his first touch is absolutely fantastic. Very rarely does he get caught out of it, ever. He gets his touch out, he knows what he's doing. Montreal... Be gutted to see him go. To be honest with you, mm. which we will go, we will talk about later on. But Socrates, as you said, he's he hasn't he hasn't messed up yet. But he's one of the ones where he's touched. You go, oh, oh stop! And he passes it out, and he you do, he does worry you sometimes. Mm. He's, he's a, same again. He's he's not young. He's a thirty-year-old centre centre half. He's not used to doing them passing out from back. He's used to going out, winning the header, or tackling someone, or getting up someone's backside. He's not. That sort of defender is he? You don't see him as a ball playing centre half. Mm. So we will probably get caught out of it soon, sooner or later. But a lot, every team's doing it now. As you said, this rule now has made it's made cha- teams think what they're going to do from there because everyone seems to be doing it. We don't often get the goal kick now, do you? With just everyone up to the halfway line. Mm. Arsenal don't do it no more. I don't think Arsenal have ever done it. No, absolutely not. And you mentioned Nacho Monreal. We are going to be speaking about him next. This is Love Sport. This is Love Sport on the Arsenal Fan Show. Me, Matt Beadle, with Charlie East from Gunnerstown. Now, Charlie, we mentioned Nacho Monreal. He has been the subject of a bid from Real Sociedad. The 33-year-old might be going home. Mixed feelings, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Monreal's been at Arsenal for a very long time. Signing from Malaga. Um, and to be totally honest with you, he has been nothing but a true professional for Arsenal. Very, very underrated, solid. Of all the years we've had such a terrible defence, he's been one of the ones who could probably probably stood the test of time, really. Not someone who people have been calling to have out. We look different, he doesn't play. I remember one game he had an absolute nightmare against Everton and Lukaku absolutely bullied him at Goodison and lost 3-0, I think about five years ago. And um, But no, it's, it's a strange one because... He was excellent again on Saturday. Really well. He, he was really good. And you don't talk... When you never talk about him, means he's not doing nothing wrong. Mm. So, I mean, he's never in a... Com- I've been doing this show now for a year and a year and a bit. We never speak about Montreal. Not because... 
especially especially with Chris and people like Giles, they like to have and Dave, they like to have a moan about a player if they're not pulling their weight. Montreal's never had that. We've never had, never been labelled as a player that he's not performed or he's let your team down. He's just been that. He's just been a model professional for Arsenal, and it'd be sad to see him go. But I do get it's probably a personal thing for him. He's probably seen the sign Kieran Tierney. We've got Kalasnach. Kalasnach probably as a football club going to be harder to get rid of because we got him as a free transfer. It's probably around the underground mark. Probably going to be harder to sort of move him on. So Arsenal probably looked at we could probably get an option for Monreal in Spain. Lots of couple want to want him because he's Spanish international. So unfortunately, it probably looks like he's going to move on. And I think that's probably Arsenal being loyal to the player, letting him go and do his thing, let him choose what club he wants to go to. We're facilitating this move for you, and then he might just move on and. Arsenal fans, when he actually leaves, you'll see nothing but positive words from Arsenal fans, which is not always the case when a player leaves mm. from Arsenal. He'll be left here, he'll always be welcome back. He'll be sort of, yeah, a very liked Arsenal player. He'll be a good player. He's been a very good player. It's, it's a sign, this, isn't it, that we're gradually, slowly but surely, just starting to see some of that Wenger old guard just get moved on. Lauren Koscielny's obviously moved on this summer. If Nacho Monreal goes, that's another one. The likes of Carl Jenkinson, that dead wood is just being moved out and we're seeing Unai Emery's Arsenal now. <laughs> it's what we all wanted. And I think that, but I think that's across the ball from the top. The mere fact Arsenal ball now is now sort of doing that, moving them players out. We've got this structure now, this football operations above the manager, which modern football is all about. And I think it's it's positive to see and if reports are right Arsenal are already sort of getting contracts done with Aubameyang and Lacazette Gunduzi. I suppose I just sort of slated him but they're talking <laughs> about giving a new contract but, but, but what, what I say is irrelevant he's a 19 year old playing every week for Arsenal Football Club he's probably on a he's probably on a low wage could we sign him as a 17, 18 year old kid give him a new five year contract give him his money he's happy with and obviously if, you, if he does in a couple of years become a world class We've got a bit of value if you want to sell him or if you want to keep him. Do you know what I mean? We've lost so many players over just bad management of not getting their contracts sorted at the time we should get sorted. You have to be more ruthless and say, hold on a second, there's a deal on the table. You either sign it or you go. We'll sell you because you're not going to be on a free transfer. It's just about forward planning. So, But with Montreal, he's 33 years old. You can't be grudging the move. He, he, he realistically probably thought, We'll go on, I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit and go and Tierney's going to be once Tierney's fit Kalasnach ain't going to get a game either yeah so and Kalasnach fits into that five if we go to three to the back and two wing backs Kalasnach has got that so you think you've got Kalasnach left wing back you go to a four Tierney where does Montreal really fit into then really if once Tierney's fit so I do get it it goes with my blessing how soon Tierney's back is whether or not it's going to be a mistake or not. Our idea is like to keep him till January, but if Tierney's back next month, it's unfair on Monreal, stop him from getting a move. So, okay. it's a strange one. Before we move on, a favourite Nacho Monreal moment? Scored at Wembley, didn't he? He scored at Wembley against uh, Man City in semi-final. That was a good one. Um, you know what, he popped up with quite a few goals, you know. He's quite, but no, the one that, that was a good moment, that was semi-final. I think it was 1-0 down at the time. 
and a it was the equaliser cross yeah. come in he came in with a volley at the back post like a wrong right foot yeah, half was, volley yeah, that was a good one that was a good yeah. goal and then we went on beat him extra time with Sanchez so yeah that'd be a good one Okay. Good player. Good luck. If a he very goes. good player. Yes. Good luck to Nacho Monreal if he does go. We might be talking about him again next week because he's decided to stay. Right. Next, I'm looking forward to this. We've got Ricky Sachs on the line from the last word on Spurs. Love Sport. It's the Arsenal fan show on Love Sport. Things I feel are about to get a little heated between these four walls because <laughs> the first North London derby of the season takes place at the Emirates next weekend and we have got Ricky Sachs from Last Word on Spurs on the line Ricky how are you doing? It's far too early chat to figure in this game I'm sure I'm trying to get over yesterday to be honest with you <laughs> That's why I was happy to have you on <laughs> oh, Honestly I'm still trying to get come to you yesterday and you're asking about the London Dar- North London Derby I'm not this <laughs> Not ready at all for this. I know, mate. Sorry. Yeah, we will. Let's quickly touch on the Newcastle game. We'll yeah, move on to yeah. North London derby. But I know, I know that Charlie's desperate to talk about it. I, I am very much. Uh, oh, dear. How are you, chaps? I'm good, mate. How are you, Ricky? Good? Yeah, not, not bad. I mean, it would have been better if we got a result yesterday. I still can't believe it, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, just just shows you, you know, you can't take anything for granted in football. I think, I think you're right there. I think this year in particular with the Premier League, I think you're going to see these sort of results all the time, though, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. like people, I mean, I've seen Arsenal people, obviously we were a bit happy about the win against Newcastle and the win against Burnley. People were saying, oh, it's only Newcastle and Burnley. But that yesterday proved that, again, an away win anywhere is a good result. And and like your result last week at Man City now seems a little bit undone, really, doesn't it? Oh, 100%, yeah. And listen, to be fair, yesterday we didn't deserve the VAR decision because we were just completely awful on the day and Newcastle fully deserved the uh, the three points. But it, just in terms of the Arsenal game, we've got so many problems, chaps, you probably are well aware of behind the scenes. You know, at least of Arsenal, you've got a settled squad there to some degree, but with Tottenham, we've got the issues with Yamba Tonga not starting games. Yeah, what's happening with that? Tactical. Well, again, we don't know. Mauricio has said that he's picking what he believes to be his best 11, and you know, I'm stunned by that because Yamba Tonga is one of the best defenders, if not in the Premier League, in the whole of Europe. So if he doesn't make your first 11, then that's a massive problem. And defensively, we're all over the place. You know, Damison Sanchez, as much as I think he's to be a top class defender in time, he's not up to the standard at the moment. And, you know, Yan is a player that's so experienced, so calm, composed in the back four. Um, really, really concerning that he's not playing at the moment. But I would like to think some logic will come across Mauricio in the next few days, where he'll be back in the team for Arsenal. Oh, if he isn't, I'm sure he will. Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe. My God, your your players will be. Uh, oh, I don't, they'll be feasting if it carries on the way it is. You know what worries me though, Ricky, is that I normally go into North London derby with a little bit of uh, worry and doubt. I'm not this week. I know it sounds really, really? bad. I fancy we're okay, gonna. I fancy we're gonna really roll you over. And I, that, really? that oh, worries okay. me. It does. Yeah, it does. I know. <laughs> well, uh, what do you say to that? What do you say to that, uh, Ricky? Do you know what? I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, the, the two teams it, now, the where it is, it, the results are so pivotal. I know we're only three games in. Yeah, but it's we massive. saw the back of last season with the Lurie save. You know, from Abamyang. It penalty, changes. That you season. cannot afford to drop points, even in these two fixtures, because of just how close it's been over the last couple of seasons. You know, the great thing for Spurs is I do expect a reaction. The good news is that window will finally come to a close, the European window, and we know where we will stand. And the great thing about this fixture is that Spurs don't really need to raise the players for it. They expect the performance. In the last couple of seasons, going to the Emirates in the Premier League, we haven't got what we've wanted. And therefore, I think, you know, this time around, Maurizio will drill into these players. We've done them over in the Carabao Cup. I know it wasn't the most elite competition to do you over in but at the same time 
you know, that would have hurt you guys to have been knocked out of cup competition by us. Yeah. I think if the players' heads are screwed on, there's absolutely no reason the Spurs have proved it. They've got to wait to Man City, the toughest ground in the whole of the Premier League, and got a result, albeit due to maybe a fortunate VAR decision. There's absolutely no reason why Spurs can't get a result against Arsenal. If we play to our maximum, 100% we can. My only concern is that we haven't shown you know, anywhere near the form we're capable of really over the last six months domestically. We got to a, a Champions League final, which was, don't get me wrong, a remarkable achievement. But our league form is concerning. And on that basis, Charlie, you know, maybe you're right to be confident about Arsenal. But did I, I do have I, a feeling Spurs will raise themselves. Did I see a stat today as well? You've not won an away game in the Premier League since January. Yep, so I haven't won away since January. It's 14 defeats in the last 32 for Maurizio. Three wins in the last 12 games. Which surely means we're going to expect a reaction at the weekend. You know, it's two teams that aren't in the greatest form, not really match fit, match sharp at the moment. New players bedding into new systems, so it's going to be a very, very interesting game. I, I, I don't know, I won't be able to call it if I'm being honest with you. I still think, you know, for Spurs, I'm expecting a serious reaction here. Really, really am. You know, you know what I think hinges on it as well. Um, Ericsson, what's happening with him? Because I think, I think, yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping he goes this week as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> but do you know what? I mean, it's difficult. Ericsson, he obviously wants to go. Uh, Spurs have made it clear that, you know, that they're willing to sell. But the issue at the moment is that there doesn't seem to be any real interested buyers or maybe not interested buyers in the price range that Spurs are looking for. And the problem we've got now is that this is potentially the last window where Spurs could afford to make the most amount of money on Ericsson. When it comes to January, he's free to talk to other clubs. Yeah. So this is a big week for Tottenham and Christian Ericsson. You know, it's the difference I feel between what's been for Spurs a good window and a bad window because you're letting a player of unbelievable quality go. But at the same time, as you guys know as well, when you've lost players in the past as Arsenal fans when they're top draw... You don't also want to keep players that are unhappy. No, you don't. don't want to be around the dressing room. So it's a real catch-22 for Tottenham. If the player doesn't want to be there, then, of course, I want to see us try and move him on. If the player wants to stay and he's going to get his head down, then, of course, I want to see Tottenham doing it in their power to keep him. But What's your the gut only... feeling? What do you think? Oh, I think they may well sell him. I think there will come a late bid, potentially from Atletico Madrid, possibly, or somewhere overseas. I think the mere fact he's not started... And that's shown that he's obviously not putting the application in training and so on. Do you know what though, Charlie? I question even though he's not started, why is he on the bench? You know, I think you've got to be on the right, right frame of mind if you're on the bench to be called upon at any moment. So you should my be, yeah. concern oh, yeah. is that my if he's on the bench, then he's in the right frame of mind to be involved in the game. And therefore, if he's on the bench, he should be starting because he's the best creative midfielder at the club. And, um, you know, you can't out for someone to change the game yesterday. And he didn't play that well when he came on. Would it have made a difference if he was on from the start? That's another question. You know, Newcastle are a team that would have known how to deal with Spurs when they're 1-0 up, you know, make it very, very compact, hard to get through. You can maybe argue that, obviously, was against Ericsson when he came on, the fact that he's looking for that, you know, that, that eye of a needle ball. But um, big, big week ahead and obviously a massive, massive game at the weekend. Massive game. Ricky, early impressions on Giovanni Lo Celso so far? Well, do you know what? He's not been fully fit, chaps, to be honest with you. So it's, it's difficult. I can't sit here and tell you 100% that, you know, He's going to be a well-beater or he's looked off the pace because at the moment he's generally not 100% match fit. He came on yesterday for, what, half an hour with a cameo. But we haven't seen enough of him really for me to give you a fair judgment on the player. You know, I think you have to give these guys at least until Christmas. Let him bed in. Let him get a regular run of Premier League games under his belt. Then I can give you a fair judgment. Lovely. Ricky Sachs, thank you very much for joining us, boss. Come on, you gunners. Thank you, chap. <laughs> you had to get that last word in. That was to, that was Ricky Sachs from the last word on Spurs, and it's interesting that he talked about the behind the scenes problems there. There are problems within 
the fans as well. I have to say, oh. I was on I was on a show yesterday, and we we have a screen here with the Twitter feeds coming up live, and a tweet went out from the last word on us on Spurs, in association with Love Sport. So it was there, and we were all tagged in it. And the back and forth from fans going, no, you're talking rubbish. No, it's terrible no, at the moment. I've... No, it's not. It's all right. We're going to be okay. No, and I think, and I think, I see one. I see last week. I mean, I when Tottenham going to melt down like this, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Of course you do. I mean, I was an Arsenal fan. I see a tweet last week. Someone comparing Harry Winks to Chevy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They've done this big thing. Like, I, I don't know, but. Anyway, I just see Harry Wings get absolutely slaughtered last night. And That's the problem with Twitter. And then I was like, hold on a second, what about Chevy? And I put this Chevy picture up. Did you? All the Arsenal fans retweeted it and Tottenham fans said, we didn't say that. It's like when you have a, a Twitter question Q&A and then that is like a hashtag Ask Harry or something. Yeah. And you know he's going to get hammered. Don't do that. You know the <sighs> know. questions are going to be horrendous. All from Arsenal fans. Yeah, all from <laughs> Arsenal fans. By the way, you mentioned Spurs' away form there. I have to say, top six for Arsenal against big six sides yeah, that's 23 away league matches without a victory let's just win at home games <laughs> if we win on Sunday I think we're going to the international break it's a big game for us Sunday I mean at Liverpool I said to everyone I went I, I, I don't care about losing Liverpool obviously I do but we're not expected to beat them as Ricky just said there the games against Arsenal and Tottenham are pivotal they are we're not competing against Liverpool this season we're competing against Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United, and I, I do think it'll still be them three. Mm. And everyone, and I think Chelsea will still be in the mix. At the, despite what everyone's saying, I think Chelsea, once they get Rudiger back and they start getting a feel for, it, I think they'll be in the mix. United are the ones I think that could fall out of it. I think I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I think they have had a terrible transfer window. Mm. I think Harry McQuire is absolutely way overrated. Um, but I think they're the ones that could struggle. I'm not just saying it because you're sitting opposite me, but I think that I mean. But no, of course, no, absolutely. To, but the game on Sunday, is massive. Us, we've got international break coming next week. If we can win that, nine points after four. I think we can re- get Tierney back, Bellerin back. I think we could really kick on. Yeah, that international break is huge when it gets to this stage because you've just played a handful of games and, and you mentioned with Ricky there about massive games so early in the season. Yeah. This is a massive game. You looked at last weekend, Chelsea needed a win under Frank Lampard. Only the third game I of know. the season Imagine, and they yeah. needed a win. You look at Watford now, desperate for a win. The and only team in the, the first, Premier League. We got them the first week back. Exactly. So Watford really need to get a result before the international break because to come out of the international break and play Arsenal, which you'd imagine Arsenal will win, is going to be very difficult. Yeah. Just going back to the North London derby here, Spurs' record at Arsenal in Terrible. the Premier League is just horrendous, right? Haven't won since November 2010. We remember what happened Cabal, on that day. Header, last Cabal, minute. Absolutely. That's the first time I've ever seen Tottenham beat Arsenal at home, ever. Really? That's the first time. I remember going home, cried. 2-0 up, right? Yeah, I cried. <laughs> I went home, I was just getting and I didn't go out. You cried? I, th- I didn't cry. I nearly cried. Okay. You know what hurt more? The 4 all. Do you remember the 4-0 when Aaron Lennon scored the 94th minute? I do, yeah. That hurt Luka more. Luka Modric and Jermaine Genius had up, scored. 4-2 up, going into 90th minute. Oh, that was buzzing, buzzing, we're buzzing. <sighs> the good boy Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I... I hate Tottenham. <laughs> I do. Sorry. Sorry. That's a bad word. The most exp- <laughs> If you could ever pick oh. any sentence that you might hear as a cliche on the <laughs> Arsenal fan show and love sport, just randomly out of nowhere, that's like your Tourette's guy. That's like Arsenal oh, no. Tourette's. Oh, I hate Tottenham. But- I hate Tottenham. I hate Tottenham. <laughs> when Sunday comes around, me. it means so much to me and every other Arsenal fan. 
and the atmosphere in the ground. I know we get a lot of stick about <laughs> There is not a better atmosphere than the North London derby. I'm telling you, home and away. Them two grounds. And it is a hatred. It is. I know you laugh, but it is a hatred. And and what's made it worse now is that Tottenham, we've always been ahead of Tottenham. We've won things and they've always been our shadow. And if I'm honest, the last couple of years, they've gone above us. They did. They've gone above us. If they had won that Champions League final, I wouldn't be here now. I can assure you now, I'll be, I'll be living somewhere in Eastern Europe or something. I'd have disappeared. But this is what we live for, right? This is why yeah. we are football fans. And people can say, oh, you're so bothered about other teams. But no, yes, no, of course. Is, you That's are. why. That's why you're the there. Stick, you're talking to mates. It's tribalism. Like I won't you say, talk to my Tottenham to friends this week. I will not talk to them this week. Really? I won't. If we... If, has it ever spilled over into something yeah. that's not pleasant? <laughs> times, yeah. It can. I, yeah, it we've can all do. got we've got groups yeah. of mates, and suddenly a, a message comes on a, on a group, and you go, "Oh, that's pushed it a bit I've far." Left, I've left. What's that? Yeah, we've <laughs> I bet there are oh, so many off. people out there who have left. That's the biggest bite, isn't it? You yeah. leave your WhatsApp group, or and del- you get all your messages. Deleting numbers. Block someone. I've actually got an Arsenal mate who, when Spurs were in the Champions League, I think for the first time, and they went away to Inter Milan at the San Siro. Oh, I know Sorry, Bell. Bell scored. No, when they it was the one where they lost four three okay. to Inter Milan and Inter went like 4-0 up inside the first half and my Arsenal mate absolutely gave them pelters pelters because they'd gone out to Milan the two of them a wonderful occasion <laughs> and uh, they both deleted his number of course Spurs came back to it Gareth Bale got a hat-trick yeah. that day his coming of age game really for Spurs but yeah it's beautiful that's what we live for in football and that is and you know what if people say football oh, it's only a game I can assure you, if we lose on Sunday I will be the most miserable man in two weeks after that, it will, it will. And people around you go, people know. I've got people I work with, family, friends. They root Arsenal just because of the, the mood I'll be in afterwards. Now, we love a quiz on this show, mate. I like to quiz you from time to yep. time because your Arsenal knowledge is, of course, very good. Now, the North London derby, we spoke about that 2010 game. Yeah. The other defeat at Arsenal for Spurs in the Premier League. Oh. There's only been two, I believe. The first one was in. Oh, I'm going to have a guess at 95. You're very close. Kingsman. It was the inaugural sure. Premier League season. So 92-93 when Arsenal were, of course, in the what was the Coca-Cola Cup yeah, then. Yeah. And you were going to play the FA Cup final. It was on the final day of the season. What really? Spurs-Arsenal. Or Arsenal-Spurs, yeah, sorry. four or five. Eleventh. All oh, right, there you go. So four years old. 11th of May, 1993. Paul Dickoff scored. But Spurs won 3-1. Now, I like to think I know a fair bit about 90s football. It's kind of my area of expertise. Chris Armstrong. Teddy Sheringham scored. Yeah. And then there were two goals from a man named John Hendry. Not the John Hendry that Never played for Barnsley and Middlesbrough and all those different clubs. John Hendry. Never heard of him. Back to brace. Another, another jock. So, the same as Paul Dickoff, but scored twice. Also scored against Man United on like the final day of, of the previous season. Incredible. Sorry, John Hendry. But a typical Tottenham player, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we are nearly at the end of the Arsenal fan show on Love Spot. Charlie, we've got to do a prediction. 3-1 to the Arsenal. 3-1. Yeah. Harry Kane will score a penalty, like he does every year. Right. And we will win 3-1. Lacazette will come back, fire him with a goal. Aubameyang will score and Pepe get one at the end. Catch him on the counter. Oh, nice, nice. Aubameyang, by the way, not the best record against top six sides either. That's no, another... He scored two against Tottenham last year. He did score two against Tottenham, but that's just three goals. They were two of three scored against top six right. in 14 well, games. Of course, he bullies, the, he bullies the littler boys. That's all right. He scored two against Tottenham. That's all that matters. The little boys. <laughs> <laughs> Come right. on, you gutters. Okay, we are looking forward to Arsenal Spurs next week. We will be back on the Arsenal Fan Show to talk all about it next Monday at 7pm. We'll see you then. 
Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.